This afternoon, I'd like to do a practice with you that focuses on compassion. In particular, compassion and related feelings and attitudes toward oneself. Midway through a retreat, uh, wishing oneself well, among other beings, and having a quality of, of encouragement and support and tenderness toward oneself is very skillful means. So as we begin this meditation, you will begin with a little bit of description of compassion. And then I will suggest some things to sort of warm up the heart and resource ourselves so that we can then enter into uh, the sweetness of support and respect and recognition for some of the burdens we carry, some of the ways that life is hard, some of the pain and suffering we experience. And then um, I'll offer some suggestions about how to rest in a compassion for oneself without being swallowed up by the pain. Uh, And I'll try to end uh, so that we have about 10 minutes at the end for a little bit of questions or discussion. So let's continue. Compassion is simply empathy or suffering, large and small, combined with benevolence, with caring, and with the desire to help if one can. Even if one cannot help, the compassion is still real and it is still valid. Self-compassion simply applies this feeling and recognition and empathy and um, stance of support to one being among many, the one who wears your name tag. Different people teach compassion and self-compassion in different ways. I'll offer these. As the Buddha said uh, a long time ago in Pali, ehi pasiko, come and see for yourself what might ring true or be useful for you. That's the fundamental criterion. As we proceed further now into more embodied practice, without getting complicated about the bodily basis of calming and warm-heartedness, it's useful to appreciate, as uh, many in the room already know, that a major branch of the nervous system, the the vagus nerve complex, has really two branches. This is a bit of practical neuroscience with a lot of research about it, 
One branch goes down into the heart and lungs and viscera. That's the most ancient branch. The other branch moves up into the face and the inner ear and the eyes. And it's very involved with experiences of social engagement, of relatedness. This has some very practical implications. By calming and engaging the first original branch that goes down, we lay a foundation inside ourselves, even in the literally in the visceral core of our being, for opening into relatedness. Worth doing in its own right, and as we calm and stabilize that visceral core, we're more able to handle um, waves with other people and waves with ourselves. In a moment, we'll begin there and just want to say also that since these two branches of the vagus nerve are related, it also means that we can draw upon healthy, beneficial experiences with others to help calm our own visceral core. Energy, physical energy, and information flow both ways in the vagus nerve complex. So let's focus now on gently calming. And a way into that that's helpful can be to focus on long exhalations. As we exhale, the heart rate naturally slows a little. For a breath or two or even more, deliberately extending the exhalation. As you breathe and exhale, it might also be helpful to bring awareness to the simple ongoing fact, as long as it's true, of being basically all right, right now and now.
Most of the time the body is telling the brain that it's basically all right. The heart is still beating. There's enough air. The organs are working. When this is true, it's helpful to listen to the body. Keep exploring what it's like to rest attention as you breathe on the reassuring sense of all rightness. Simple, physical, basic all rightness going on being. Even if around the edges may be pain or sorrow or worry, We can be mindful of a reassuring stability of living. And in this reassurance, recognize unnecessary anxiety, worry, guarding, tension. And seeing if it feels all right to let that go. Resting in the present. Breathing. All right. If you like, (coughs) you can take the simple experience of a basic all rightness as your object of attention. Perhaps also exploring related feelings of relief, soothing maybe. Reassurance, maybe.
it's all right to feel basically all right if this is the truth of the body. We'll now focus more on aspects of warm-heartedness. And it may help still from time to time to come back to the simple felt sense of breathing basically all right. You might like to be aware of sensations of breathing in the area of the heart or the center of the chest. You could put a hand in the area of your heart, either off slightly to the left or in the center of the chest. And in a way that is gentle and inviting we can, as we breathe through the area of the heart, open into a warm-heartedness. It might help to bring to mind any being, perhaps a pet, a benefactor, friends, perhaps those you love, and use this awareness of this being or more beings as a way into feelings that are authentic to you of caring and goodwill. Disengaging from any complicated narratives, helping yourself just use these prompts in your own way, coming into feelings, attitudes of caring and warm-heartedness for others.
In particular, see if you can be aware of the suffering of someone. And alongside that awareness, see if you can also be aware of the wish that they didn't suffer or tender feelings of sympathy, support, In compassion is, in a sense, the bitter and the sweet together. And it's important to remain primarily focused in the sweet, in the support, the concern, the recognition of the injustices that others are dealing with, other Qualities perhaps of lovingness, kindness, encouragement. If we get too swallowed up in empathy for the suffering, it's difficult to sustain the compassion. So exploring what it's like to have compassion for some being or more than one being. These feelings and wishes might be supported with soft thoughts in the back of the mind, if it's helpful, such as, may you not suffer. Or soft thoughts that are more specific, such as, may you be at peace with this pain. May you find food. May you know that you are loved. May your medical treatment go well. So I'll be quiet for some moments as you take compassion in various ways as your object of attention. Sometimes people experience compassion as like waves or pulses, perhaps spreading in all directions. 
You might like to expand your circle of compassion, radiating in all directions, omitting none. Sinking into compassion as it sinks into you. Compassion and related qualities of kindness and love establishing themselves in you. Sifting down deeply inside you. Knowing what compassion is like. And then, if you wish, being aware of one being in particular yourself, perhaps imagining yourself kind of over there, or simply being aware of deeper layers in yourself or parts of yourself, and taking a moment without getting hijacked by it, simply recognizing some of the load you carry. Some of the weariness, the stress, the worry, perhaps illness, perhaps pain, perhaps mistreatment, concerns, and the impact, the long ripples in your life still today of things that have happened in the past reaching all the way back, perhaps, into your childhood. Staying simple, simply a recognition, almost a kind of bowing. Yes. Yes, suffering. 
Yes, worry. Yes, loss. Perhaps on this retreat, here and now, in your experience, upset perhaps, feeling disturbed perhaps here on retreat, recognizing that, including that in your awareness. And then knowing what compassion is like, centering yourself in the feeling and the attitude and the warm wishes of compassion for yourself. You might experience this as simply waves of feeling or imagining waves of light. You might draw upon soft thoughts if that's helpful, such as, may I not suffer? Or you might address yourself by name. If I were to do it, I might say, Rick, oof, may you not suffer this. You can add related wishes, such as, may you be well. May you ease with this. May this worry pass. May you find peace. It might help to be aware of parts of yourself or layers, including young layers. Resting mainly in this sweet, bowing to the bitter, a warmth, a respect for what you've had to carry, encouragement, support, or simply, simply, oh, oh. May you not suffer.
If there are feelings, it's fine to let them flow. While also returning, perhaps again and again, to these waves or pulses of warmth and support for yourself. This practice, <clears throat> there can be a sense to explore, if you like, of receiving caring and compassion and encouragement into yourself. Perhaps a sense of the warmth and soothing of compassion being received into places inside that have been hurting. And then as we move toward an end, letting go of any particular focus on suffering and allowing this practice to sort of reverberate inside you, 
as you return attention in particular to the area of the heart and the feeling of breathing and being fundamentally now all right. A spaciousness of being that can include everything. Thank you. 
and with my respect for your willingness to engage a practice like that. A teacher of mine, uh, Gil Fronsdell, said that we should finish a meditation like a runner finishing a race, you know, maintain the momentum. And I think it's really okay to protect whatever has been beneficial in our practice. And allow it to keep reverberating. As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm happy to talk for five or so minutes, a question or a comment or two, if that would be of use to anyone. Sure, right there. I hear you. Yeah. Just saying that uh, the connection, you know, between emotion and sensation, including in the area of the heart, is, is something that's becoming clearer for you, including empathy for a friend whose child is in real trouble. Uh, makes the heart sore. Yeah. Thank you. Please. Embarrassing to restate it, but I will briefly just uh, appreciating um, you know what I the different flavors brought to it, and in particular for our attention and practice. If you think of it, compassion as a form of linking, to use terms loosely, positive and negative together, the sweet and the bitter. There's an awareness of the pain, the sorrow, the loss, along with respect, good wishes wish that it and tender concern, sympathy, and so forth. And there are many opportunities in which uh, we, uh, when we are aware of the two together, uh, that uh, the, the one, the compassion, can soothe and ease the pain. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, appreciate that. Maybe, I think one more, perhaps? Yeah, please. Well, I noticed that you were at one point using a one or two breath ratio of breathing in, breathing out. Uh, I usually teach my kids yoga that way. Um, you know, in a lot of these cases, it's a trauma, and so you want to make it as simple and straightforward to like decrease your heart rate. Uh, I'm curious, if you don't mind, I, I think last two nights ago I asked a question about 
complexity versus simplicity. Um, and I see the utility in the simple practice of breathing in a one or two ratio, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts on more complex ratios. Um, mm. And I ask this because I myself usually do a one to two to three to four ratio where I lock my breath in at the end uh, for four times of the initial breath. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. Okay, a little bit of a question about different practices involving the deliberate regulation of breathing. Yeah, um, I think, uh, so a couple things. Uh, first, uh, naturally, as we inhale, the heart rate speeds up. That involves the sympathetic wing of the nervous system, which also can be involved with fight or flight. It also can be involved with being really happy that the Golden State Warriors have won a basketball game or that you're happy your child is you know, doing well. Uh, and as we exhale, that involves the parasympathetic wing of the nervous system, the most ancient branch, very entwined with the lower branch of the vagus nerve. And that slows the heart rate. So the simple takeaway really is inhaling, speeding up, exhaling, slowing down. So if we want to encourage the slowing down for at least a little while to calm the visceral core, it can help to deliberately extend the exhalation in one ratio or another, minimally of the same duration. And if you like, to perhaps double the duration of the exhalation for one or more breaths. Even in a stressful situation, a business meeting or the in-laws or whatnot, deliberately, kind of quietly, no one need know you're doing this. Uh, just inhaling to three, exhaling to three, four, five, six. This experiment, do two or three of those in a row, the stress needle comes back. Maybe not go all the way to zero, but it tends to come back. So you can do that. Now in yogic traditions, which of which I know just a teeny bit, like pranayama, there are different rhythms of breathing that people employ. And I've used different rhythms myself, and, and I um, think that there's tremendous wisdom available uh, in these ancient traditions, including the shamanic traditions, if that's a fair word, where people try different things that work. And we don't need to have an EEG or MRI to know that they work if they work in our own experience. And there are different explorations there, to be sure. Uh, I don't have a strong opinion about one or the other. Um, I've, I think it's interesting to explore. That said, maybe this is an appropriate uh, point to end on. Uh, the Buddha offered this wonderful metaphor of the raft. You may know it. Uh, as we come to a river of suffering, what do we do? Well, we uh, use skillful means to build a raft of some kind. Uh, and then we use that raft to get across the river of suffering to the refuge uh, on the other side. Once we get to the other side, it's not skillful to keep carrying the raft around. The raft of our wise view or our particular practices or particular methods. And I think sometimes people um, can get attached to a particular raft. The raft is a means to an end. And um, it's helpful to explore these different practices and try different things. And also realize ultimately uh, we, uh, uh, it's not skillful to get attached to them and they're means to an end. 
And when they're, when the fruits have been manifest in our life, we can allow the raft to kind of recede into the background. Since I have this opportunity, I will just offer a saying from Tibet. I'll say, offer several. They have great sayings. Take the fruit as the path. Take the fruit as the path. Resting attention on what draws the heart. The mind takes its shape, it is traditionally said, on, by what it rests upon. That is all right to practice on, with what we're drawn into. And to finish, as they also apparently say in Tibet, gradual cultivation, sudden awakening. Gradual cultivation, sudden awakening. Moments of awakening, many times a day. May your practice be fruitful for yourself and others. Thank you. I guess you're waiting for me to leave. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.